Welcome back to part two of our discussion of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go back and do that now. Enjoy! So, ten tracks on this album. Uh, Ben, That Sweet Spot. Which which actually, this is interesting because some of the tracks are quite long. uh, But then you have a few that are very short. So, uh, it balances out. Uh, Five per side. Side one is Speak to Me. Breathe. Breathe. Breathe in the air. On the run. Time. Picking away the moments that make up the dull day. And the great gig in the sky is the last track on that side. Side two begins with money. Money. Get away. Us and them. Any color you like. Brain damage. The lunatic is on the grass. And the album closes with Eclipse. All that you touch, and, all that you see. All that you and I want to point out that uh, on the original LP, Breathe was called Breathe in the Air. So I'm not sure what led to that uh, change. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and uh, time contains the breathe reprise. So I, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't think it says that on the album. I'd have to get my copy, but it's funny that it lists that because that's just a part of the song. <laughs> um, uh, what's what also is interesting about that is, um, I think for the most part, or maybe one hundred percent of the time, speak to me and breathe. Are they not played together every time you hear that on the? If you do hear it on the radio, maybe that doesn't happen anymore. I've heard "Breathe" on the radio, and they cut out "Speak to Me." Oh, okay, okay. Or, or they'll just have like kind of the last few seconds of it. Um, yeah, yeah. As maybe as it is in the album. Yeah, I, I think it's rare today that you'd hear that. I maybe in the past, and I used to hear like they would play. Um, us and them and of course the la- we'll get into this but the last four tracks uh, really all bleed into each other like there's no break at all um, and it's almost like just a, a even sometimes just an abrupt kind of uh, key change and we're into another yep. song yep. I've often heard us and them and any color you like played together yep. uh, because they it, you have to cut it very sharply if you don't want to hear any bit of any color you like. Oh yeah, and I've of heard course, it done poorly too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and of course, um, brain damage and eclipse. Anytime I've heard that on the radio, it's always together. Yeah, it's yeah. like hearing um, um, we, uh, are we are the, cha- the champions. We're the yeah. champions, and yeah. 
We will rock you, yeah. We will rock you. Like they're 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 always played together. So that's right. Yeah, uh, I, yeah a lot of these songs and. And uh, you and I discussed too, Steve, that with the exception of from track five to six, because you have to flip the side of this of the disc, yeah. um, all of the songs uh, bleed into another. Like there's no right. there's no break on, on the run and time. Maybe a little bit of silence, but still there's a little of amb- ambient sound there. But the rest of them, even musically, there's still stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, certainly the last four tracks on the album they go right yeah. into one another so it's almost it's almost really like two sweets really yeah. uh, which is which is so unique I had a lot of um, sort of flashbacks to Marvin Gaye's what's going on as I was listening more intensely mm. the last yeah. couple weeks that that it really feels like a disservice to the artistry of composing this as an album to take any of these tracks out uh, on their own um, you know, they really feel <clears throat> like there's so much intentionality in placing them and, and blurring the lines almost between tracks yeah. that, that it feels like a disservice to pull them out and, and analyze them one at a time. Um, because, you, yeah, you, it's out of the forest for the trees or something like that, that um, you sort of miss the point if you try and dissect them one at a time. Yeah. Uh, I, I think if you were, if you were going to do it for this one, uh, money is probably the easiest one to do that yeah. because it's you know it's it's there's nothing ahead of it because it's the first one on the side and and it right. does get very yeah. quiet between that one and us and them. So but right, yeah, but it, I mean, yeah, it still does. It's definitely if you're listening close, it's still got that connection there. To oh, connect. for sure, absolutely. It's yeah. it's it, you're right, Ben. I mean, it's so intentional. Uh, um, how they connected these songs together. It is uh, interesting music to jog to this, this evening I went out for a run uh, with this on my cell phone, sort of playing noisily and uh, came across some folks (laughs) walking and things like that. And hearing either the money clinking sounds or I think there's even some like, you know, especially the opening track, just the sort of noise pollution that it begins with <laughs> there were a few heads turned yeah. my way of like what are you listening yeah. to as you're <laughs> running yeah. through our neighborhood <laughs> yeah. um, you're just trying to match the heartbeat that's right yeah, that's right exactly <laughs> yeah it's it's funny uh a couple times i you know was listening to this on my computer and finished it and just decided to just start it over again and and the heartbeat starts and finishes the album so if you hit play right again it just kind of starts right right up again it's kind of funny yeah. Yeah. um and i found it very frustrating uh listening to this on spotify because there is a very slight pause between each track um like half a second but because so many of them flow seamlessly it just was this abrupt yeah. interruption in my listening yeah. experience like yeah. ah you've ruined the album by putting this yeah. little pause in there yeah. and sometimes it even play an ad and oh my gosh oh, I almost yeah. threw my computer right out the window just <laughs> i think that this this album of any problems. of the albums that we have yeah. listened to was the thing where i i realized that limitation of spotify that you know for something sure. like this that is such a I'm struggling to come up with the terminology, but like so intentionally meant to be listened to as an album, throwing an ad in between yeah. anything here just feels so much like 
uh, nails on a blackboard or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. Ruining Very something that's supposed to be uh, consumed as a whole. Um, I think yep. our friend Mike, all those many years ago, was onto something when he said, "Sort of like, I don't like to listen oh, to for this." Sure. Um, out of order because <laughs> you know you miss sort of what they were initially going for uh and, and even worse yeah. if you throw an ad <laughs> into the middle of it pink floyd utilized that uh not just on this album though too right mm-hmm. um this, this they they were oh, very intentional in, in in a lot of what they produced that that you know complete complete album that whole concept of, of doing a complete album that you, you basically you have to listen to front to back right uh, for it to kind of make sense and flow right not a lot of just one-off songs that you can just pick out like even uh, this is a bit of a, a tangent here so i apologize but you can cut this out if you need to but um you know another brick in the wall part two one probably <laughs> when i look at itunes here i was looking at it earlier i was looking at mo- you know i ranked it rank pink floyd songs by popularity on itunes yeah another brick in the wall part two is the most popular song oh no sorry sorry it's comfortably numb closely followed by another brick in the wall part two well mike we were talking about this the other night um another brick in the wall part two you, you can't hurt you can't really listen to that without listening to the song before it right yeah. which has such a great lead in right and yep. you can hardly listen to that song without listening to another brick in the wall part one but, <laughs> yeah you know I mean? no i know just just, just, just I, I, again sorry that is a side note just from a different album obviously but yeah but you know it's it's just these oh, are here to be listened to front to back like yep. no holds barred like that's just the way it is and i, I think agree. speaks to a moment in time where it was far more important for artists to construct an album than it is today um, yeah you know their their assumption i think in the early 70s was that their fans will hear the entire album they're not writing these songs with a single listen sort of sensibility of an artist today i can't imagine what it must be like to be a recording artist today where you just hope that one of the songs on your album (laughs) sort of catches fire uh because there's no need to buy an album anymore right you know you can get uh, a billion listens for a single track and and not have the rest of your album even acknowledged um yeah. so there's a very different kind of of construction going on here that i just don't think we hear or we don't see that happening in the same kind of way from from modern artists yeah yeah which which, which you know it, it's it's not it's not even comparing apples to apples anymore right like right. modern artists are now trying to produce something uh, like you say, you know, they, they want to produce that one hit that is very widely acknowledged and accepted and downloaded and purchased. Uh, uh, and, and it's a four minute song or whatever. Whereas, you know, you know, at the time of this album release and, and, and in those years, they, they're, it's basically more like, you know, they're producing, uh, an entire, uh, like an entire production, right? Like it's like a, it's like a play or a, or a movie, um, you know, there's a story to be told. There, there are themes all throughout. You know, every song um, is dealing with the same. The, the, the whole, the whole album has a theme to it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, yeah. it, 
and 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 because that was just the way it was, they're 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 able to focus on that whole idea, producing an album as a whole. Uh, whereas, yeah, like you say, nowadays, the, the people are just trying to produce one hit, which is is quite discouraging. I don't remember the last time I've listened to anything modern, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier that uh, a lot of the themes. Yeah. That there's a lot of uh, common themes throughout this album, and um, you know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, we talk about well, you know, what are your favorite tracks. I, I, I think it would be hard for at least you and I to do that. Uh, for this, we yeah. maybe can get to some Ben's favorite tracks, but um, <laughs> I think I think you'll touch on a lot of the songs. But you know, what do you think about when you think about the themes on this album? Something I mentioned earlier with me and lyrics uh, that. I, I'm not, I'm not so good with lyrics, right? I have a, actually I have a really hard time understanding most lyrics in in anyone's song, and I, I'm like I said, not really listening for that. So you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> to listen to listen to this album and and tell you to give you essentially a book report. What was this album about? I, I'd be lost. I couldn't do that. I I would know what I feel from listening to it musically um you know but i i mean i can look up on the on the wikipedia page like you know the the themes of this album were uh you know pink floyd was at a time where they were uh becoming more and more successful uh their former band member sid barrett had 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 uh kind of succumbed to his mental illness which sort of arose out of their 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 band's success and the pressures of being this this really high-profile, successful band, and and so mental illness is certainly um, you know a, a theme throughout this this album, and I, I couldn't have told you that just by I mean other than you know of, of course like maybe brain brain damage where it seems to be fairly fairly blunt in their in their lyrics there yeah. I guess I can that up, but that aside um, I think you can tell just by listening to. The particular um, the, the 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 rhythms, you know, the melodies, uh, the the chords that they're using in in particular songs, um, and then and then you know beyond the the music part, the these uh, sounds that Ben was talking about earlier, yeah. uh, which I actually I find quite fascinating. I didn't realize, Mike, we were talking about this the other night. Um, I learned something uh, that what those there's, there's actual term for those sounds. It's called Music concrète, and for, for, you know, pardon my poor French. But it's <laughs> not bad. A term they give to you know all these uh, all of these recorded sounds that 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 um, um, they've included on on most of the tracks. Actually, I think most of the tracks, if not all of them, have some uh, uh, um, you know some recorded sounds on it that they they've used. Sure. And so you, I, I think you can get a pretty good sense to what what this album. Is what they're what, what the theme of the album is, particularly with the mental mental health issue, um, just by the feel of the music, right? If not, if if you know if the lyrics aren't aren't you know sort of poking you in that direction, I think you can still tell just by the music, just the feel of it, right? Yeah. So that's that's definitely a big theme of this album, and feel free to add on to that. You hear a lot of lyrical themes, and some of the ones that that have been noted you know by others of uh, conflict uh, in politics war um, time and aging 
uh, wealth, of course, you know, very, very explicit, and and mental illness as well, um, and brain damage and eclipse. Um, I hear, you know, some of the obvious musical themes. There's a lot of, we talked about a, a lot of, uh, Steve, you and I, two chords, just going back and forth between two chords. Yeah. has yeah. happened a lot. You mentioned it too on Ben, Great Gig in the Sky. It's just two right. chords back and forth. Um, uh, it's, in that aspect, it's very simple. And then this kind of um, breathe reprise, we get that three times. So we get breathe. Uh, for another day we get that in time we hear that again at the end of any color you like yeah um, as it leads right into uh, you know the guitar intro to brain damage yeah yeah um, so we get we get uh, that kind of musical thread throughout it and I think there's other more subtle uh, musical ties between the different things yeah yeah like uh, um if i can if i can elaborate even on that a little bit if that's okay um Please do. so so specifically with those two chords that we're talking about the um it's it's uh <laughs> i didn't actually check on my guitar earlier i meant to anyway i i believe it's a d minor and then they go to a g major um for you know for uh breathe where it's you know that that back and forth there yeah and then the breathe reprise um and then uh but then when they get to the end of the album they actually switch it to i think it goes d major and then to g major like they they i guess that's on eclipse maybe um or is it in brain damage i can't remember now but uh they change, they change the feel of it by just by switching from a minor to a major. Yeah. Um, and it, it turns it into kind of a goofy feel almost like, oh, yeah, these guys are total lunatics, right? Like, it gives you that. <laughs> it, it really, like, subtle things like that that you can do just by what chords you're playing. Yeah. Um, uh, can, it's just so powerful with what a person will feel just by listening to that. Yeah. And that, you know, those are the things that I'm picking out in these in in this album i like that right uh i'm i'm leaning on my three-year-old right now to give just some like real nuggets of wisdom um for the doors album <laughs> he said it sounded like haunted house music or, or like halloween music and um, yeah. for this one <laughs> i love that he he said something about um when i said that it was dark side of the moon he said is this what outer space sounds like and i think um <laughs> oh, you know that's <laughs> That's I love something that, that like a, <laughs> yeah. you know, a kid would say, of course. But I think in that there's something disorienting <laughs> about this music that that is, I think, intentionally trying to nudge you out of your comfort zone. So you you oh, hear yeah. these like sounds that you don't expect to be in music, and you hear these chord progressions that you don't expect to be in a, a radio song. And you hear um, melancholy lyrics mixed with, uh, you know chord progressions that that make you uneasy or edgy and i think it gives you that sense of like being out into something unknown that 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 is not uh uh necessarily a sweet spot um i think it's really powerful i think it's just not necessarily and maybe maybe that gets to some of the reason why certain folks listen to this music and 
uh, they don't like that disorientation that that it makes them feel too outside of the norm yeah and and they can't they right. can't handle being there for too long you know so so maybe yeah. we'll, we'll listen to money as a radio hit and that's enough <laughs> you know I don't want to dwell in that, in that <laughs> like space too long um, yeah. outer space is yeah. scary <laughs> <laughs> and, and vast that's right yeah exactly yeah, it's not it's not meant to cradle you yeah. or or make you feel like you're at peace um you know it's like gazing out into the unknown that's a good analogy i like that and i think i think um if you you know if you uh listen to some of their earlier stuff too like it's it's it might even be classified as that you know i think i've seen this before they, they kind of call it like this time and space sort of rock that this band has been producing and uh you know they certainly continue that here which it was you know uh, i think of us and them in particular um it's just such a it's actually quite a contrast from what you've been listening to the whole album yeah um it it really got a dreamy uh out of this world feel to it right you know right the saxophone the especially it just feels like a you know street corner jazz player right very different than uh, so much of the other album the rest of the album yeah yeah well and and it actually uh, there's another contrast there uh you know the, the saxophone in particular that part by dick perry in us and them is like you say very jazz like very very mellow and and uh uh you know just uh warm right and you can contrast that with well he plays another part in uh, in money and that's just like a really, you know, hard yeah. going after you, uh, um, abrasive. It's just a total. It's like he's playing two different instruments, and and uh, yeah, very so different I, I feel. You just can find that contrast within this album. Um, yet they still maintain this this sort of whole feel throughout. <laughs> Sorry, is that too geeky? <laughs> no, oh, geez. I got more of that. We're talking about every single album on a top 500 albums list. It's not too <laughs> We've already crossed over. <laughs> um, oh, um, I, I, I like um, the first the first chord that we hear, note, musical sounds we hear on the album is in Breathe because Speak to Me is just kind of ambient and there's not really any uh, tones. Uh, it's that minor you talked about. Uh, I think you're right, Steve, a D minor. Um, going to the G and on the last song it's a four chord uh, minor progression that doesn't like you have to start the progression over to resolve it the last chord of the album resolves uh, to a major Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought that was interesting because that's not really like a Roger Waters thing (laughs) to (laughs) to make it kind of like everything work out and resolve and be neat and tidy and end like on a positive note uh, literally and figurative, figuratively um, but this album does and it's kind of like this total package it starts minor and it ends major and everything's fully contained it starts and ends with the heartbeat it's like it's very well crafted and i love the bookends there of, of not just the heartbeats and the sounds but also the musically we mm-hmm. start in a minor progression and then the last songs in a minor chord progression but ends resolves on that major um which is just just such a really neat touch and i really i just personally uh i want chords to resolve um i guess yeah. it's 
it, I, I also avoid conflict <laughs> in real life. So, so I just want to always want uh, a resolution. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just another, it's just another aspect. And Ben, we've talked many times, uh, it feels like every other album we tackle on this list, someone has called it a concept album, right? This is one of the true, you know, uh, commonly accepted as a concept album also the one other thing i want to add is um they used to have uh on q107 psychedelic sunday where they only played music from the psychedelic era and also every day they'd have the psychedelic snack and that is usually considered uh 1965 to 75 i've often argued that it it ends somewhere around 1970 or 71 especially with the deaths of many key musicians at the time I think this album, which I do not personally consider a psychedelic album, has many psychedelic elements to it. And I think Ooh. this is the reason that a lot of people want to push that era because of this album. There are not many other things happening in any other albums or releases happening in the early 70s, in my opinion, that that are psychedelic. Uh, we've moved for the most part into uh, 70s hard rock or pop um and many of the psychedelic things we hear are in the late 60s we you know things we've heard already the doors um yeah loves forever changes a lot of the things the beatles were doing things like uh the grateful dead and a band we haven't got to yet but captain beefheart and his magical band and canned heat and all these other kind of jam bands very psychedelic uh, I don't hear those sounds in the early 70s, but it's considered to go till 75 or sometimes you'll hear 73. And I think it's because of this album. A lot of the long kind of ambient sounds, the David Gilmore's kind of sustaining uh, guitar sounds of these notes that kind of last for four or six beats instead of just ripping through a crazy yeah. uh, solo. I heard once saying that... Uh, David Gilmour as a guitarist understood the importance of the space between the notes. You hear a lot of that on this album that he can play quickly and very well. And he's a good blues guitarist, uh, but he can also kind of stretch those things out and create these yeah. ambient soundscapes that are just beautiful. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't hear the psychedelic era going much beyond 1970. Um, and experts in the area i'm sure could dispute but i think this is one of the reasons why people want to push it because there's a lot of that sound on this album just that kind of i mean i i listen th this is often also um associated with being a very uh, you know a, a drug album like one that you listen yeah. to under the influence um one uh, under psychedelics uh I, i've never been into that um uh, but many times I can remember times lying flat out on my back in the living room and just putting this album on and closing my eyes just to right. kind of absorb it, relax, escape, um, not, not induced by any substance, uh, at all. Um, yeah. and just in being, getting lost in some of these sounds that can really take you away. So anyways, that's mm. my kind of take on that whole psychedelic thing. Hmm. I wonder if the, the sort of, uh, Pink Floyd laser show, kind of uh mm. culture that's grown along with it is part of the reason that it it's lifted up as a psychedelic album that you know it's been co-opted in so many different kinds of ways i mean i think i 
if I think back to my high school memories, I, I think it was often the, uh, you know, the skids at the edge of the parking lot who were wearing the Pink Floyd shirts, the guys who you could go to if you wanted to buy marijuana, <laughs> right? So, like, um, yeah. there, there is this, yeah. like, sure. whether or not it actually is psychedelic music, I think that the psychedelic and drug culture has has borrowed this. I'm sure that you can get a Dark Side of the Moon um, bomb very easily, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, that I think that the, this just has become synonymous, whether or not it was intended to be that way. And I wonder too, like, uh, you know, I can, <laughs> as I'm listening to this, I can almost hear our upbringing maybe perhaps, or my parents saying like, Oh, that's just like hippie stoner music. You've got to be high to appreciate it, or it's not real music or, you know, you know, fill in the blanks with whatever cliche you want. Yeah. But I think, sure. I think when it doesn't fit the sort of expectation for what a uh, a pop or rock song should sound like, it almost automatically gets lumped into that like bin that no one knows what to do with, which is often psychedelic or or yeah. drug induced or something like that. And um, yeah, I, I think about like even something like that '70s show. Um, I'm pretty sure if my memory serves me that there was a, a Pink Floyd laser show episode where they all got high, right? Like, so like, you know, even oh, in sure. the way that yeah. we, we tell the story about the early seventies, Pink Floyd is the soundtrack to that. And, and it goes along with how that moment in time was lived out. Yeah, I agree. Whether or not it's deserved too. Like I, you know, I really don't know. Hmm. I don't know if, um, you know, if they <laughs> wrote <clears throat> the album with with that kind of in in their heads that that you know that it oh you need to be on this or on that or whatever to to really get the enjoyment out of it but right um i'm gonna i'm gonna say probably not because um th- there's there's lots of evidence to say that you know well mike you just gave your account that you are perfectly content to just put this album on, lay down and close your eyes. That's right. And you're getting full enjoyment of it. Right. Um, so yes, it was written in that era when that was, you know, drugs were, were rampant. Um, but it is a testament to the quality of this music that, that Mike and Ben and you, or we can all sit here and enjoy this album without getting away. Right. right. Yeah. I think that's right. And I think, I, I guess it just fits the cliche. And so we use it because it's easy rather than yeah. the harder work to evaluate something um, separate from the, the sort of myth or ethos that's built around it. It takes a, a really cutting edge podcast, like the sound logic podcast to really do that hard work of, of getting to, <laughs> to the <laughs> nitty gritty. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> For those of you who have listened to this album only peripherally, I put myself in that category. Um, please do yourself a favor and listen to it with headphones on, and hopefully, yes, absolutely, headphones. I don't think that listening to it on a stereo really captures how much they are playing with the stereo technology and the way that the sound yeah. moves um, throughout the album, really from left to right and almost kind of swirls at times um oh yeah that engine that sound engineering in itself is worth a listen 
if you're not I, I think a friend of ours who is a part of a very far too long running Facebook thread about the Blue Jays um, uh, Ryan Morby uh, commented just today that he's never listened to Dark Side and he was going to go check it out um, if you're in that camp and have no preconceived notions to this album um, go check it out in whatever format you, you want but but do it with headphones on so that you can get the sort of spectrum of yeah. sound that they have built into this um, in the studio yeah. And and I would add to that, um, turn it up. Uh, yeah, there, right. Especially in some of the quiet moments between the tracks, there's there's still a lot happening. Yep. Very subtle things as well that I think mm-hmm. adds to the experience. Um, yep. I, yep. Even that heartbeat to start the album, I don't think I noticed that the first couple of listens because I just had the sound turned down. Um, you, you almost mm. need to crank it up to get that doop, doop. That really well, and you you need off. you need to make sure that you you've got a, a decent bass uh, amplifier of some kind to to pick up that. Yeah, um, you, you know you can't listen to a, a drum because that's a modified bass drum beat, um, and and you, you can't you can't pick that up. You can't get the whole feel of it. If you got to be able to feel the bass, right? Um, so yeah, Ben, I totally agree. You gotta. You got to have a decent set of headphones, earbuds, whatever it is. You can't just listen to it off your the speaker off your phone or off your computer. Oh, no, uh, no. You got to run this thing through a proper stereo system. Like, I mean, you know, your 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 comment about the left to right uh, perfect example is on the run, right? Um, oh, jeez, uh, <laughs> man, is there some serious back and forth in there? I think even with the you know something I I, I had to listen for a little more closely were the were the actual footsteps. Yep, and I think they even go yeah. left to right or right to left. Yeah, right? yeah. if they're packing by down the hallway. Yeah, yep. Like they, they start quiet on one side and get loud in the middle, and then move over to the. It's, yeah, it's really clever. <laughs> they've even yeah, they've even got a bit of the Doppler effect going. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's some attention to detail. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's great. I think, um, you had mentioned to me, Steve, the uh the the money sounds at the beginning of money um the mm-hmm. waters created a lot of that some of it was uh throwing change into a bowl they had got yeah. an old style uh cash yep. register and were pushing buttons yep. to create yep. and then splice all these sounds in i mean this is yep. this is experimentalism you know and creativity at its finest they're just yeah and, and i think one thing we, we or i forget sometimes like a lot of this technology is new at the time to be able yeah. to record sounds and put them in, like that's a new thing. Uh, and having to cut tape and put it places and, and not having to do it in the same ways anymore and make it actually sound good. This is mm-hmm. new. And so they're, they are are having a ton of fun and creating with this new technology. You know, we think of it as archaic because all we have to do is click buttons then. Yeah. Everything's done for us. It's easy. And there's still people who create new things and who do new things with that. I'm not trying to downplay creativity but then it was it was a lot more involved and intentional to physically create this sound there was much more physical happening uh and and i just love it the other top albums from 1973 you've got like um elton john's goodbye yellow brick road i think mike you already mentioned uh a lot insane Stevie Wonder's Intervisions yep. comes out that same year. Band on the Run, uh, mm. Paul McCartney mm-hmm. album. A lot of albums that are great, but they're not 
they're not digging into some of the technology on this album. They're not pushing beyond no. <laughs> sort of what is expected of uh, of a pop or a rock album in the same way that Dark Side of the Moon is. And it's innovative in a way that I don't think we fully appreciate as people who've just always had this as something we could turn to because it's always been around <laughs> for as long as we've been alive at least. All these tracks are credited to the four guys in the band. However, uh, there were other musicians on this album. We talked about uh, saxophonist Dick Perry, and there were uh, five different uh, vocal background vocalists, and one very prominent on uh, you. Ben, you talked about the meandering vocal in uh, the Great Gig in the Sky, which is the Richard Wright tune. Um, the lead vocal there is a lady uh, named Claire Tory, and in 2005 she sued Pink Floyd for a co-writing credit for that song, claiming that she wrote or helped write that line. I, I would expect that she was asked to improvise um, and create that line. And of course, you know, you come in and you're paid to do your thing, and you get paid to for your time or whatever and then you leave and then sometime later or maybe even at the time she was thinking hey i created that music you know there was nothing written out for me i'm paraphrasing of course all this but um i, I doubt that Rich, richard wright you know had a line of music and handed it to her and said sing this because then there would be no contest i imagine they said sing whatever you want <laughs> or or improvise on this on this chord progression so in 2005 she uh she launched a court case and she won. So on any uh, subsequent pressings or release of this, she does get a co-writing credit on uh, oh, Great wow. Gig in the Sky. Um, yeah. which, you know, which I can imagine it would be intimidating uh, to be, you know, in the studio or even afterwards with this you know, very well-known successful rock band. Like, who are you <laughs> to <Yeah>. say? <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and maybe also we could comment on some of the politics of... Uh, musicians and maybe specifically female musicians can get taken advantage of for their talents uh, by larger bands or corporations but um you know i i can only assume that this was judged to be fair (laughs) and that she uh she got what uh what she had kind of contributed to which is nice Uh, so another interesting thing um and that just a very quick note um We've talked a lot about the music and the lyrics. I love the vocal work on this album. Some of the harmonies yeah. on uh, a, a lot of it is uh, uh, David Gilmore uh, singing. He sings lead on most of the songs, and I think the harmonies are usually his own voice. Um, but they're they're quite rich and they're quite good. And I think that's another thing that kind of wraps me up in this album is the great vocal harmonies as well. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is is actually, yeah, be, because the technology was advanced enough at the time that he was they, he was Gilmore was able to actually uh, uh, harmonize with himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which um, you know it's one thing for different band members that have distinct voices to be harmonizing, and that that sounds great too. But it's a totally different sound when it's it's somebody harmonizing with themselves. Yep. Uh, monotone, not monotone, but but it, it it it's just a different different feel, different sound, and and it can be really be be appreciated here. Yeah, the real effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does well. He has a nice sounding voice, and um, absolutely, yeah, it sounds good. 
Yeah. I think this is a good point. You know, we often ask uh, what your favorite songs are. I mean, I like all of them, uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, we've got a, uh, a, a Spotify playlist for the SoundLogic podcast, and we usually pick uh, some songs to go on that. Um, we pick two. I think because this is a special album, we could pick one each. Um, what do you think, Ben? I, I would prefer to just let the two of you. I I feel like this is a far more significant album to both of you than it is to me. So I'd graciously okay. let, let go of mine and let you guys each pick one. Well, I pick I pick side one. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Steve will pick side two. That's harder for me to add to the playlist. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next one. Uh, uh, it's a tough one because there are obvious, you know, popular songs that are easy to listen to, and there are other ones that, um, you know, that that are maybe not as uh, as easily consumed, but are so good. I think, oh, oh this is tough. Yeah. There's so many that I love. I am going to pick, I'm because it's memorable to me, I'm going to pick the first one I remember, which is Us and Them. And that, <laughs> that, that will be my choice. Um, there are so many great tunes on this album and ones that uh, have great, are very catchy. Us and Them to me, uh, Musically, lyrically, I, I'm a saxophone player, so I, I always love the solo in this. Um, all the all the rich vocal harmonies, all the the women singing background, uh, the the lyrics. This is one of the more political songs, I think, on the album. Uh, speaking about wealth and war and conflict and different uh, social structures, um, it's it's a it's a good track. So that's my pick. Okay, well, Mike. Um... Uh, that was that was what I thought you would pick, um, and, and I totally get it because I was. If you didn't say that, honestly, I probably would have. Okay. Um, so, seeing that you did say that, um, I will say that that is my one, and I'm going to give you my one A. How about that? Sure. Um, nice. Let's go. Probably for me, the one A would would probably have to be. I'm going to go with the great gig in the sky. Oh, um, just like. Okay, you know, I've already kind of made it clear that I'm not really a lyrics guy. Uh, so this song is right up my alley because I don't have to listen to those. Um, no now, I, I, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth because I just lauded David Gilmore's ability to harmonize with himself. But anyway, um, Drinking in the Sky, I think I just really love that it's, it's featuring this very, uh, very simple piano. Um, and, and I think my favorite part about it, uh, Claire Torrey's vocal is unbelievable and just so passionate, but I just love, uh, um, the, the piano solo in the middle of this song. It's, uh, it's just so, so satisfying for me, I guess. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and it, in this song sort of, uh, encapsulates the, the, the sort of this theme a chord progression, right? Of, of that I sort of picked out of this album, uh, that of that minor chord going to that major, and and doing it all throughout with this piano, and and just getting lost in that sound, in that progression, and in that whole feeling. And uh, 
and then yeah and then the vocal to to top it off uh how can you not be just taken by that i i, I guess ben I, I remember you were saying earlier that your your two sides on that one almost right. um uh uh, on one side, you were, I think you were saying that, you know, like, okay, that's, that's a little bit over the top. But in fact, another side note here, I read that Claire Torrey was kind of embarrassed after, after, you know, they recorded her uh, a few takes on this. And she came out of the, the, the room, the recording room, and, and was surprised to see that the band was just totally delighted with, with what she had done. So she was taken aback. She thought she had gone over the top, but this, this is, but turns out this is exactly what the band wanted, um, and and we're sort of hoping for. So wow. yeah, I'm going to go with this with that song for uh, my choice, I guess. Well, they're both added. I think that would have been one of my least favorites, but I'm I'm glad that you uh, you filled me in <laughs> on why, Steve, because I think that gives me a new appreciation yeah. for it, and I'll listen to it with different ears. Good. No, I'm glad. On, so I'm glad. Yeah. One one thing that we glossed over uh, that we missed, and I just wanted to, I I mean, I could probably do this a hundred more times, but um, throughout this album, there are a lot of little uh, snippets of interviews that they had and great gig in the sky has a number of those and it touches on the theme. They interviewed a bunch of different people and, and Steve, I want you to to jump in here uh, because uh, you know, great gig in the sky uh, is the title of the song. And I think that kind of uh, alludes to, you know, uh, heaven or death or kind of the afterlife, so different ideas we could kind of, you could kind of make that your own thing. Um, and one of the snippets is of, um, of, a, of a man saying, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to die. I, I, why should I be? Um, yeah. uh, Steve, who was that again? Who said that? Yeah. So I, uh, uh, I'm trying to find it here, but I, I'm pretty sure it was the Abbey Road doorman. Right. Yes, the doorman at Abbey Road. That's right. Wow. Yeah, I got to find his name here, but, but yeah. So, so they, um, the band interviewed uh, a bunch of just the staff at the studio and and just some not not necessarily random people, but kind of um, just asking them sort of pointed questions. They started off with, with some just g- general questions and then got a little more pointed in terms of, um, you know, uh, going mad and, and, and dying and stuff like that. And that's where you got these, these uh, responses from. And some of them were, were very genuine. I think this was a very, it's certainly, certainly sounds very sincere. This, this guy's sort of response to this, uh, this question he's been asked and, and man, is it ever effective? Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking about, you know, kind of the great gig in the sky, everyone kind of singing, playing, and he, he says, I'm not afraid to die. You know, why should I be? We've mm-hmm. all got to die sometime. You know, it's just a very, yeah. <laughs> a very kind of candid response to it. Uh, there's, there's other ones. There's uh one that gets repeated on a few different tracks. Um, I can't tell I was very drunk at the time. You know, I can't remember who. Yeah. That's who right. That was um, and and different uh, different uh, kind of you know maniacal laughter on yep. different different times certainly in um, uh, brain damage and even in the the opening speak to me uh, that was the, uh, that was the band's road manager Peter Watts apparently <laughs> that's what it says here it's it's so, so yeah. that's a, a, again another example of of all the different splicing and and piecing together they did of all these different sounds. Um, 
we talked about the the money uh, and the change at the beginning of money. Uh, we didn't talk about all the all the chimes and clocks at the beginning of time. Yeah, that was weird. Very to be hiking, uh, jogging around the neighborhood and have those clocks go off. That was uh, quite, <laughs> quite something tonight. Um, the there's like a, a TikTok at the beginning. I, I went and saw. I don't know if you've seen this show, Steve. A number of years ago, there's a there's a show that goes through Canada called uh, Comfortably Numb, and it's a Pink Floyd tribute show. And uh, we saw it at the Opera House when they did Time. That TikTok uh, was the basis muting his strings and plucking uh, really plucking the strings. Just so that that goes to the the fir- whole first part, like until the full band comes in. Um, yeah. So he's just doing that for like three minutes straight. <laughs> wow. Um, so that was. I'm not. I don't think that's what it is on the recording. I think it's something else. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that was kind of cool. Anyways. Uh, yeah. I di- I digress once again, but 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 like I, like I said at the beginning, then uh, there are so many different facets to this album and its creation that you we really could talk for hours and hours and hours. But, yeah. Well, we sure could. Yeah. Right. On, on uh, you know, talking specifics with with songs with these uh, recorded sounds like the you know back to that money, um, the intro to money. Uh, <laughs> I I think it's amazing that you know it's not just that they recorded these sounds and just sort of threw them in. It's that they actually managed to splice them in in time. On a song that's in seven four time. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, like, and, and I think I remember reading something that that money. Okay, obviously it was an, it was a single, probably the only single in seven four time. Right? Can you think yeah. of any others? Uh, no. Can you think of any other songs on the radio in seven four time? The, the only one that I thought of, and it switches back and forth, is the ocean by. Uh, right, and, it, and that alternates between seven, seven eight and eight. eight. Yeah. So. Uh, and and that's another wow. That's another group for another discussion. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, just they had these these clocks that that I think one of their producers or somebody affiliated with the band actually went into an antique clock store, recorded these clock sounds. No, that's talking about time now, isn't it? We're talking about money. <laughs> Sorry, man, I'm getting off track. <laughs> Literally. Um, oh boy. Yeah, well, Roger Waters had recorded. The, the, a lot of the sounds at the beginning of time, but they but they managed to put them in time as the lead in. Oh yeah, you know, for when that bass first comes in with that do 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 do, like yeah, oh yeah, just, atten- just that attention to detail, right? It's phenomenal. And in an era when they're not sitting in front of a computer to make these. Uh, no, exactly. Like, no, you can't just. Now you could do it yeah. fairly easily, yeah. but with a four track or eight track or whatever they were using, it would have it would have taken some significant you gotta, time. You know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Now that we're on the topic of Roger Waters' bass, nice segue there. Like, I love that he's kind of got this whole um, through kind of throughout the album. He's got this either he's doing octaves or he's doing uh, perfect fifths. Right, yeah, um, and and it's so so like money. He's doing that do 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 do. That that's a that's an octave. Then the fifth, the fifth, right? Yeah. And he does in us and them. He's doing do do do. So that's you know going to the fifth there. It's kind of like 
even just in his bass lines throughout the album, he's, he's maintaining this this sort of uh, uh, bass line theme, I guess, mm. almost. Yeah, he does. He does it in time. Do yep. do 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 do. Yeah, yeah. He just it's it's kind of it's very repetitive, but very effective. I think. You know what's funny at the beginning of time, when they all have to come in together. Some of them they're not quite on time. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Listen closely. Oh, I, 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 like, I will. Ah, you weren't right. You weren't. You weren't quite right there. <laughs> oh no. That's yeah, funny. sorry, but I mean that just uh, that just adds to the uh, experience. I'll have to listen to that. I've, I've never, <laughs> I've never noticed that. It's subtle. It's subtle. Sorry. <laughs> have I? I have not done this, and I feel like I should have at some point, but I've never sat down and done it. Have any of you watched the uh, mashup of Wizard of Oz? with the sound turned off and dark side of the moon on it's it's referred you can watch it on youtube it's called dark side of the rainbow i've not uh, i've heard about this i have not i have not done that myself the 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 idea is that you know there there are theories that they created the album to sync up with uh wizard of oz and there are you can look at lists of things where the the lyrics or the music syncs up with what's happening in the movie and so uh, I would, if you if you're interested, I would I would encourage you to go do that. I, I know that you know right at the very beginning, in um, uh, breathe when he says the damage done at the moment he says done is when um, the one guy hits his thumb with a hammer. You know, and there's there's different things we could say that it's all kind of you know it's forced. Uh, what do you call that? Forced um, perception, mm. or once you suggest something that we believe it's true but mm-hmm. but there are many people who have uh <laughs> who have spent a lot of time on it so but that's another kind of popular uh mm. thing that has been kind of floating around there for a while dark side of the rainbow check it out interesting it's worth a google <laughs> <laughs> i i will say though on the tracks uh all 10 tracks have their own separate wikipedia page which is not something we see even on these so-called greatest albums of all time often mm. uh you know mm. the, the the music experts on wikipedia will highlight a few of their favorites and give them their own page especially if they were a single but for whatever reason these 10 tracks uh all get their own page <laughs> uh on wikipedia that you can go oh, into yeah. more depth on which is which is fascinating so i guess if uh, i'm adding that just to say if you are someone who's going down the wormhole or what did you call it early on, Micah? Uh, the <laughs> falling down the rabbit hole of uh, Dark Side of the Moon. You really can go into lots of different uh, angles and avenues here um, if you ch- if you so choose. So one of the questions we like to ask, you know, this album from 1973, uh, is it still relevant? Um, ben, I'd like you to start because you alluded earlier that you know this you had some challenges with this album Mm -hmm. i wonder if you can kind of wrap that together kind of your personal feelings about the album as whole and how you think it stands today as kind of a relevant album i will say this is definitely a great album but i think i understand why it is here at number 43 and not higher 
and I think it's because of what we talked about early on in that Dark Side of the Moon requires the listener to engage it in a different kind of way than most of the albums that we've tackled so far. Um, and I can't quite decide what that means for its relevancy. This requires you to be a little bit smarter, uh, a little bit more aware of things like time signature and song construction and sound landscaping and sound engineering. And I think, you know, I think it's a, it's a music nerds album. And, and so I think it's very relevant if you care deeply about how music is created and constructed and put together and how albums are created and constructed and put together. It feels less relevant to me if you are into music just for your, for sort of pure enjoyment's sake. Um, and I, I think the line there between those two things is, is pretty fuzzy. Uh, I, and, and so I, I struggle with this question specifically. Um, it doesn't sound as dated as I think I was assuming it would before going deeper in this hmm. in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and often that, I think, Mike, you and I have, have noticed, I think, a, a recurring theme that, that often we have a harder time saying something is relevant when it feels dated. This, to me, doesn't feel all that dated, and yet I struggle with this relevancy um, piece because of how unique this this album feels. Um, I'll start with there, and and the two of you can tell me why I'm wrong on all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I really like that answer uh, a lot. I I think you you hit the nail on the head. Uh, if you're not very interested in really absorbing yourself in music or in any album or band in particular, then this probably isn't for you. Yet I would say there's a really good balance in this album where you can listen to money and time and just kind of bop along and be totally happy with that. And it's there for you. And if you want to dig deeper and really absorb yourself, there's stuff like Great Gig in the Sky and uh, something a little more psychedelic like uh, Any Color You Like. Uh, there's stuff there for you too. So I think there's a good balance um, I, I would say that s- some of these sounds are rather dated and, and some of the, the ambient kind of tunes and something like, um, um, on the run, it does sound a little dated in the, in the way that it's composed and executed in terms of just relevancy today. I mean, music is changing rapidly. I think in the last five years, um, popular music, I think for, if you, are at all interested in rock, um, I think it's very much still relevant. Uh, certainly the hits are just a classic rock and roll sound mm. that any rock fan mm. can get behind. I think it's still relevant. I think it is slightly dated uh, in some of the sounds, some of the production, yet so well executed that it obviously has held up the test of time. Yeah, I, I think I would uh, I think I would echo that, Mike. Um, I get it that... Yeah, some of the techniques, some of the sounds that are, are used here are are kind of old-fashioned a little bit. But I would say it is still relevant for sure, especially like you say, you know, for, for the, the the rock kind of tour. Um, you know, the, these are the these are the albums that that kind of pioneered uh, rock and roll, so, so, so to speak. Like, I mean, not not you know that that's 
not going back to the fifties and sixties really, you know, when, when some of the rock and roll first started coming out, but, but you know, the, the true, um, um, creative, uh, geniuses behind some of these rock and roll sounds. I think you really have to appreciate that. And, and I think because, because these guys were, were the, the some of the first to, to create music like this and, and nobody's kind of, you know, you know, they're, they're their own unique sound, right. You know, there, yeah. there's, there's nobody music like them. No. Um, um, I think you really have to appreciate that, that I think that makes them relevant still this album for sure. Uh, you know, with, with that in mind, but yeah, Ben, I know, I mean, I know what you're saying. Um, I, I guess, yeah, if, if you're, if you're the kind of guy that's listening to music just for some, you know, uppity kind of, you know, just some some nice fast moving beats, right? To to jog to, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. This album's maybe not for you, probably. Um, but I mean, you look at look at the the Rolling Stone top five hundred. Well, who are the people that are ranking these albums? Uh, there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of sort of intellectual music, yeah, intellectual music yeah, uh, right. people, right? Like. So I find it interesting that um, they do rank it where they do, given that they're not your typical audience, right? Mm-hmm. They're 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 sort of more. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm way off base on this, but you know, I I, I, I don't know. I, I and I'm definitely definitely biased on my end here. I would I would totally rank this higher, but you know that's not to take away from any of the albums that came before it. But it is interesting that the you know this was reviewed by some pretty pretty big musical people, right? B- people in the music industry that that have come up with this list and, and ranked this where it where they did. Yeah. Um, hey, what's wrong with them, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that you, Steve, you've segued us into the next uh, portion here, which was uh, was this position on the list? Sound Logic, you've mm-hmm. clearly said that you don't think <laughs> it was <laughs> that it should have been higher um i i would agree with you um i don't understand and i know that there was a voting system and points etc cetera, etc cetera, and and i uh, a lot of the people who voted you know grew up in this era in the 60s grew up with this music were music professionals and critics in this time given where they're from and the vast success of this album, the longevity of it, the, you know, record after record that they've set with the billboard list and all sorts of other things. I don't understand how it doesn't crack at very least the top 20, if not the top 10, that doesn't make any sense to me. Ben, you said earlier that you understand why it's not, why it's at 43. Would you care to elaborate on that? I, I mean, I think it's because of the way it's constructed. It, it is a concept album that requires more of the listener. It only has the two singles um, and they're not traditional kinds of singles. It's not an album like thriller where, you know, every song makes you like jump up and dance. And, uh, and so I think, you know, it's a, it's a, <laughs> It's a nerdy top 10 choice. It's not a populist top 10 choice. I I pause when I say that because it's sold a, you know millions of copies. So 
there's clearly people out there that ab- absolutely love this despite its quirkiness. Um, I, I think this is, we're getting into the, the point in the list where I think I could see this going a lot higher, but I understand why it's here. I think there have been a number of albums that we have already reviewed that I think are much worse <laughs> than, than this album. And it deserves to be above them <laughs> at least mm-hmm. one higher. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're probably at the point where we could start saying at least five higher or something like that. Um, <laughs> but I think there's also going to be albums that come after it that in my mind, at least would make more sense to be placed above this album for their popularity, their, their radio play, their, um, their accessibility. Maybe that's the thing that, that mm. really makes me pause the most. The, I just can't, I can't see a generic music fan listening to a nine minute sort of jam session and think like, this is what greatness is. I think it takes yeah. someone with a musical background to really appreciate some of what we're hearing on this album. Um, and so I, I think that's why it gets put at the number 43 spot and not in the top 10 or top 20. I, as someone who, who does love to get nerdy, I could put it up that high. Uh, I think it would easily make my top 20 of the albums we've listened to so far. Um, but I, but I think it's not for everyone. Maybe, and maybe quite simply it's, it's, it's the, uh, polarizing effect of Pink Floyd that, you're going to get some diehards who absolutely love it. And some people who are like, what the hell is this? Like, why, why should I think this is great? Um, which doesn't happen yeah. in the same yeah. way for a Beatles album where, you know, you know, one's one time through the chorus and it's going to be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that there would be some Pink Floyd fans who would hear all that, that I've just said and, and have said like, well, great. We don't want to be top 10, you know, like, <laughs> like if that's what top 10 is, uh, you know, we're fine being uh, a little bit more obscure, a little bit more nuanced. Cause that's not what they were. Clearly that's not what they were going for here. They were not going for uh radio playability hit things like that. Um, yeah. I don't know that feels long winded, but I think that's why I would say I understand why it's at 43 and why it's not in the top 10. Um, but, Personally, I think I could see it go higher, and especially based on what we've already gone through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, it, it, it definitely brings to question, you know, what, what are the the, the particular criteria? Yeah. Uh, when when people were voting on these albums, uh, and I'm sure you guys, you know, every episode you're going to be talking about that, but mm-hmm. evidently, you know, popularity <laughs> among the masses is is important in, in radio play but but then on the flip side though and you you said this already ben you know if it's one of the most highly uh sold albums of all time right it is popular uh, I, I find that there's 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 a weird sort of dichotomy there um that that doesn't really add up in my mind yeah 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 i i would agree and i, I would look to you said, you know, you can understand the catchiness of, of like a Beatles album and why that's top 10. But I'm thinking to album number 13, uh, Velvet Underground. You said that, you know, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon is a stretch to listen to. Do you, do you know a lot of people who could sit through all of 
uh, Velvet Underground and Nico. <laughs> I mean, it's very challenging, Absolutely. extremely challenging, and not yep. ca- and not catchy. Yep. And although it's said to be inspirational, was not successful. Right. And uh, I I struggle with the the differences between why that and and there was a lot we talked about a lot of reasons why it would be there at number 13 but why that takes 13 and this is 43 and this is ranked three albums lower than an album that that no one's ever even heard of uh, yeah. which was forever changes by love like right. it, it's not not even sold a million to this day and i can't find anybody except for jason crane uh, who who has heard of it before? Absolutely. Uh, so it's just yeah. uh, it's 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 again one of the challenges with this list. I'm I'm glad we have this list, and it certainly is fun to talk through. But boy, it's frustrating sometimes. And, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. Um, and and I just I just struggle with a lot of things. But this placement to me just seems way out of whack. Um, not sound logic. You know, it's not. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't mind off by. I don't mind off by two or three, uh, but this seems to be off by like 20. Yeah, for sure. In Colin Larkin's, uh, we talked about Colin Larkin's uh, 1000 greatest albums of all time. This is ranked number nine. Um, And although that's more uh, British centric, if, if I can just create that term right now, um, (laughs) uh, it seems to be more appropriate. Yeah. you know, they didn't put it yeah. number one just because they could. It's number nine, but I mean, it seems more appropriate. There's still, you know, Beatles albums ahead of it. So it's it jives with a lot of the other things, but it's uh, it seems to make more sense. Uh, anyways, that's my that's my two cents. I'm, yeah, I, I don't want to be arguing against that. Like, I, I mean, I think you I thought Velvet Underground deserved to go lower. And I think this deserves to go higher. So I, I think we're in agreement there. Um, okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I, when I say I understand why it's here, I'm not saying that it shouldn't go higher. <laughs> I, I think I'm just saying I, I, <laughs> okay. I think I understand why the voting may have placed it here as opposed. I have no sense of why Velvet Underground is as high as it is or uh, some of the other albums that we've, that we've tackled hmm. as well. Um, and I think, sure. and I'm, and I'm facing the same perplexed feelings here too. Like really 43 does seem somewhat low for, for even, even a quirky album like this, um, especially given its popularity too. So, yeah, well, I mean, we're talking about the, the top 500 yeah. rock albums of all time, right? Yeah. Uh, Pink Floyd, this is Pink Floyd's first entry on the list. Yeah. 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 It's the first appearance of Pink Floyd. Yep. Yep. Pink Floyd. Yep. In the top 500. It's the first appearance. Pink Floyd. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> emphasizing that point, right? Right. Yep. That's an injustice. Yep. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm with you, bud. Grab the pitchforks. Yep. Grab the torches. <laughs> Let's burn it all down. <laughs> oh, I got them. I'm ready to go. It's, uh, it's perplexing. Um, and, and you bringing that up, uh, I think this is a good point to mention. There are other entries by Pink Floyd on this list. Uh, three other entries, to be exact. Uh, number 87, uh, we've got The Wall. 87. <laughs> that, that feels much too low. And uh, and and I think we're going to say that again. 211, we get finally get Wish You Were Here, which, again, seems Ooh. ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and 
347, we get the Piper at the Gates of Dawn. I believe that's their debut. Um, which again, like a lot of the early stuff, was very psychedelic. So we don't we don't yeah. get uh, animals or metal or anything like that. So there are challenges with this list, um, and of course, mm. as certainly you and I, Steve, as big Pink Floyd fans, are going <laughs> to take issue with with that. But um, that's how the cookie crumbles, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of time. <laughs> Well, and out of cookies, I could use a cookie now. I <laughs> ate Ben, your example of the Beatles being so radio friendly, yeah. um, and, and this is not to take away from the Beatles at all, uh, uh, because I think they were, um, while being radio friendly, they were also very, very creative and and unique as well, mm-hmm. and, and their songwriting ability was incredible. But. Uh, there's a lot of covers of Beatles songs that probably a lot of people would enjoy listening to. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you start talking about some of these more, um, Hmm, what's the term for this? Uh, what did you say, Ben? You said, um, kind of more with a geeky music yeah. or whatever, whatever, you wanna, whatever, whatever term you want to use. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just don't, it's not really cover material, right. I guess, in my mind. Right, a lot Especially of it isn't. You've only got the two singles, and those two singles are are so unique yes. anyway, yes. and and kind of different that you you still can't really do them justice by trying to cover them. Like, I just it's almost it's almost wrong. I think it it feels very similar to trying to pull a song off this album. Like the the whole thing needs to be taken as a whole. So if you were going to make a cover, yeah. you would have to cover the entire album, right? Like <laughs> it would have right. to be your concept right. <laughs> of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. And exactly. um, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think I think that's why we don't immediately think about uh, covers that we appreciate or, or come to mind. And yeah, I think that says something yeah. about the the special nature of what we've got here in front of us. Um, yeah, yeah, great point. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, uh, selfishly, there's a Pink Floyd cover band called The Machine that's coming to town uh, in early April. I'm curious if you guys think I should go or if you want to drive down six hours and join me for uh, Mm. uh, a cover band tribute uh, here in in State College. Um, Let me know your your thoughts. (laughs) What's the date? Saturday, April 4th. Okay, just let me put it in my calendar here. <laughs> uh, you, you said you'd seen a cover band before. Has that felt um, like like Steve sort of said, like why bother covering it? Um, did did it feel like an enjoyable experience to to watch a cover band try and tackle some of these things? There, there are. I have heard of a few different uh, cover, really Pink Floyd shows, because. Um, uh, there's there's a group in Toronto and and I and this is or the GTA I'll say the band I saw was not part of this group but there's a group called Classic Albums Live, okay. um, which does as as they say note for note cut for cut so they will reproduce live albums to be almost identical so they're not really trying to like when I think of a cover it's usually you know a, a band doing a song but also putting their own flavor into it. Uh, the show I saw was was not that it was it was a a band 
you know, trying to do a show uh, as close to the original as possible so that you can experience, you know, we're never going to like we, you know, in the last 30 years, you could have gone and seen the stones or you could have gone and see ACDC. Uh, you can't see, you couldn't have seen Pink Floyd since, you know, 1980, really right. uh, not the original members. So mm-hmm. um, I think trying to reproduce that, that live experience as closely as possible, I guess the best word is replicate. I wasn't getting the sense of, you know, the, the personalities of the musicians there. They mm-hmm. weren't trying to kind of put their own flavor into it in my mind to say you can't cover it. I, I don't think some of these shows I've heard of, and there's other, there's other, like there's a show called musical box. It does all Genesis and, and there's, there's lots of different shows and I'll call them shows. Cause really they're trying to, to replicate it. Um, I really enjoyed it. And especially because knowing I'm never going to hear Pink Floyd live, like I'm never going to see them. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's impossible, certainly now. And even at the time, uh, it was, was likely impossible. Uh, it, it was fantastic and it was very well done. It, it felt very, the word I think is very serious. Like it wasn't like we were there to kind of laugh about and, and, you know, jump around and, and joke. It was like, we're here to study this music and we're going to do, we're going to do it perfectly <laughs> exactly the way Pink Floyd created. And it was like kind of this kind of more serious feel, um, very enjoyable. They did a lot of, they didn't do, you know, one particular album. They did lots of songs. And it was at the opera house, which is a relatively small venue in Toronto. Um, so it was, it was good. It was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. I, I would do that again. If another group was coming through and, and made sense for me to go, I'd definitely go see it again. Cool. I think I can be on board with that for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, where they're, they're going to, they're going to, if you say they, they approached it with the, the sort of the level of intensity and seriousness that yeah. Yeah. you seem yeah. to allude to, then yeah, if, if, if you're going to, if you're going to really attempt to do it justice, then absolutely. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I can respect that for sure. But if you're, if you're just going to try and rip a, you know, a cover just for a radio hit, I, I don't have respect for that. I don't think. Or patience or time. <laughs> <laughs> or money. I'll be on the run for sure. I think the, the original would just eclipse any uh, effort. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'll have brain damage after this. Oh, it doesn't, the covers don't really speak to me. <laughs> breathe, Mike. Yeah. That's bad taste. Yeah, hey, when you're when you're making new music, you just kind of you just choose any color you like. <laughs> and after it's all done, you go to the great gig in the sky. I think that's all ten. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sound Logic podcast. Uh, it's been a great journey. <laughs> anyway, um, well said. <laughs> who, who knows what we'll do next? Yep. <laughs> Oh wait, we have to do more albums. We're going to do number forty-four. Uh, yeah, so if you're interested uh, in being a co-host for the Sandwatch podcast, uh, <laughs> I may need a new one here coming up for album number forty-four, which is "Horses" by Patti Smith. Um, might just be Ben flying solo on this one, but uh, uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> four four hundred and fifty-six more albums to go, bud. Yeah. Yeah, you can do. I it. hope you come back for one or two of them. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, well, guys, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. Dare I say, epic? 
Uh, yeah. And Steve, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's what a pleasure just to the three of us to get together and chat and just to hear your, you know, your passion uh, for this, for this wonderful album. Yeah. Well, and, and again, thank you. Thank you very much for uh, including me in this. Uh, it was a lot of fun and I, I hope, I hope I was able to articulate my particular passion for this, this group yeah. in, in particular and, and, certainly the album and, and their, their style of music and, and what they bring to the table for listeners. So thank you. I think my favorite episodes have been the ones where we get to the end and I think, oh man, I got to put that album back on again. And this is definitely one of those times where I feel uh, right. not just like relief that we have finished that and can move on to the next one, but a sense of like, oh, there's something there that I missed. I need to go back and give it another listen. So um, thank you both for, for bringing your enthusiasm and passion and oh. woohoo. <laughs> nice. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. Part, uh, half my brain wants to go to bed and half my brain wants to put on dark side. <laughs> well, just put on us and them and you accomplish both. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. <laughs> Fall asleep to us and them. Right. I think that's a good idea. Perfect. Yeah. Don't okay. fall asleep to on the run. <laughs> no. especially while driving (laughs) you might not sleep well Well, usually we end them by saying thanks a lot guys for the conversation thanks for listening at home and till then take care of yourselves if you like what you hear subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review send us a message at our Facebook page on Instagram or through our SoundLogic podcast Twitter feed thanks for listening